got your Bibles or your phones, or if you want to look on the screen, we're gonna we're on our last um, um, message on Ruth, and so we're in the back end of Ruth, and we're reading in chapter four. Um, Towards and right to the end of Ruth. So read along with me. We're going to start at verse 9, chapter 4, verse 9. And this is how it goes. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are my witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and Marlon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Marlon, I have bought to be my wife. Notice how the woman ends up after the after the shadows and everything like that. Have you noticed that in the stories? Um, yeah. But he's brought Moab, Ruth the Moabite. I've brought her to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are my witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate <clears throat> and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephratath and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. That is Ruth. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you is more who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap, and became his nurse. And the, woman, the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron, Hezron fathered Ram, Ram fathered Abinadab, Abinadab fathered Nashon, Nashon fathered Salmon, Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. That last little bit, I didn't want to leave that out because you get to see the line there. You know, like I was sharing last week, there is so much in the story of Ruth. Every time I read it, I underline more stuff. Every time I see it, I see another little little hint and another little bit of what's going on. And, and I see, you know, this idea of, of, of God sewing together a story or bringing together a story and pointing to things, a story for people now, but also a story for people moving forward. It's been such a joy looking at this during Advent. So much that points not only to Jesus, but also to the sovereign hand of God in keeping his people on that path to salvation, to redemption. You know, last week I said there were three redeemers in the story and we looked at the first two. You know, we talked, do you remember who the first one was? Right, I'm taking that sermon out again. The first one was Ruth, wasn't it? Who was the first redeemer? Ruth. <laughs> wow. She effectively redeemed Naomi, didn't she? she? Naomi was Mara. She was bitter. She had no hope. And she went back to her own land with a tail between her legs. If you know the story of Ruth, there was not a way that she could care for herself. No one would marry her because she couldn't bear children, remember? Without a man, 
she could not get the family land back, so there was no hope for her at all. Ruth goes back with her. We see Ruth, who loved Naomi very much. She took a huge risk as a Moabitess. Remember, we talked about it being risky to go to a foreign country, a foreign culture, to risk her own future, to stick with and to support Naomi. But it paid off. We saw that because the second redeemer, Boaz, steps up to the plate. And he was the second redeemer we talked about last week. He didn't have to redeem Ruth, did he? She's a foreigner. He is part of Naomi's family line, but Ruth's a foreigner, so the law doesn't apply. He did not have to redeem her. She's not a Jew. There's no obligation. And he's not even the first in line. Remember, he wasn't even the first in line that had to do the redeeming. And it was going to be costly in a number of ways for him to do this, to buy back the land, to take this non-Jew as his wife. But he does. And Ruth now belongs. She's in. She now has a new identity. She's accepted. She's even celebrated, as we will see, as is Boaz. Boaz is celebrated. So both Ruth and Boaz showed us the character of God in, in taking us out of a place of hopelessness to hope and future, to redemption. Their story and the whole story in Ruth as we've looked at it show us how God continues to masterfully shape and direct his people drawing them on, drawing us on, but in the story of Ruth, drawing them on relentlessly to his goal, to his redemption plan. And if you look at it, if you read the story, and last week I challenged somebody to read the story, it's like a 15, 20-minute read, and that's a ripper. If you look at it, you begin to see it. You begin to see what God's doing. You begin to see how he's drawing them on. He uses people that you might never expect. He uses the system as well as works outside the system. In our text, you'll see people recognizing and celebrating what God's doing. In our reading today, they see it. They can see what God's doing. It's not lost on them, the, the, the significance of what's happening before their eyes. As the witnesses enjoy respond to Boaz redeeming Ruth just at the start of our reading and the witnesses say this and I think I've got it up on a slide there on Ruth 4 verse 11 may the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah who together built up the house of Israel you know I was reading that what's that about what 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 is what are they talking about there why would they why would they use a blessing or, or a, a statement like that we see Rachel and Leah were also foreigners. Remember Jacob married Rachel and Leah? He got Leah first and he actually thought it was Rachel when she took the veil off. I won't go into the whole story, but, and he gets, but he gets them both in the end. They were also foreigners. Jacob was an Israelite and they weren't. But he took them back to the land of Canaan. They went back with Jacob to Canaan and they historically now, were seen by God's people as blessed by God. And they were seen as responsible. Women were hardworking. They are today too, right, women? Yes. <laughs> women were hardworking. But hard work back then was giving birth to babies. That was when you were a hardworking woman. And these two women were credited historically by the Jews as hardworking, giving birth, and hardworking because they were responsible to see the line of Israel to be preserved. It was a well-known story and they were honoured. And so to the witnesses now, because of what they're watching, they liken Ruth 
to Rachel and Leah, just like those wonderful women. This is another one like that. Blessed by God as one who had preserved their line. And they can see that God is doing something here. There are babies born all the time. And they're not doing this all the time. So they can see that something's going on here. And then again, if you read a little bit further, and the witnesses keep going in verse 12, and they say, And may your house, this is Boaz now, May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. When you read something like that, you think, what's going on here? Who is it? Who, why would they say that? Who is Perez and why is he important? And so I had a bit of a look. Perez was a son of Tamar. And guess what? Tamar was a Gentile. She was also a Gentile. She wasn't a Jew. And Judah was Tamar's father-in-law. Wait. How does that work? Judah was father's, Tamar's father-in-law, yet she bore a son to Judah. So we need to go back a step. Judah gets a blessing from Jacob. Jacob is, uh, Jacob is Judah's father, and he's the fourth son, but the other three sinned, so he gets the blessing to, to keep the line of Israel. Then Judah's first son marries Tamar. Remember the rules? But he dies without giving Tamar a baby. So remember the rules? The second son has to do that. Now, Tamar's a Gentile. She hasn't had a child yet, so she's not really in. It's only when you bear a child that you think, now I can't get kicked out. She hasn't had a child yet, and so the second son takes Tamar. But he dies without giving her a baby. Now, Judah's getting a little suspicious now. He's thinking there's something wrong with this woman. He's got only one more son. You know, it's a big investment. What am I going to do? So he's fearful that his son is going to get the same fate. So he says to Tamar, Oh, my third one's too young. You'll have to wait. So Tamar waits, but she gets frustrated waiting. He keeps making excuses. You know, he's gone to the milk bar. He's gone to the get a pee. He's, got, he's not around. He's, he's, he's too young. He's still in primary school, whatever. You know, she gets frustrated because she's not in yet. She's not in unless she bears a child to the family. So she, her position is tenuous. This is Tamar. So she gets dressed up. This is a great story. She gets dressed up as a prostitute, hangs around at the gate where all the men hang around chatting and smoking and drinking beer and eating nuts, you know what they do. And she hangs around there, dressed up as a prostitute, comes on to Judah. Judah sleeps with her, gets her pregnant. Later on, Judah's told, you know your daughter-in-law is Tamar. She's been prostituting herself when she got pregnant. He gets really angry and says, well, she has to die. He sees a way to save his third son. But she was smart when she slept with him. She kept evidence and proves he's the father. Uh-oh. Are you with me still? This is amazing, this story, isn't it? So Judah changes the ruling all of a sudden. She doesn't have to die. I think this is amazing that God does this stuff. Ta-da, Perez. Here comes Perez. That's Perez, a son to Tamar and Judah. And significantly, Perez is who God chooses to carry on the line of his people. Remember, God works in the system, and sometimes he does things totally outside of the system. Because Judah's third son never produced, so Perez is the one. Certainly not the usual way. The people, when they see what's happening with Ruth and they see all this sort of stuff, they know the stories and they see that God himself engineered 
this in history and Perez is now honoured. And through Perez, Jacob and Judah's line was preserved and that was really important in that culture. It was a legendary story in the time and to tell a person that he should be blessed like Perez was a great honour because Perez was like a hopeless mess. You know, we heard in a kid's talk, a hopeless mess was redeemed through Perez and he continued the family line. And why would Boaz be like the house of Perez? Well, it's right at the end of our next, isn't it? Because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. They knew that something special was coming. You know, we know as Christians, we know as followers of Christ that in two days' time we celebrate something special. Something special is coming. There was a sense that God was building in his people something special was coming. Somehow they knew it, that it was supernatural. God was intervening yet again in their nation and in Judah's lineage. God was up to something. You know, I don't know if the elders knew that Perez and now Boaz was not only carrying on the line of Judah, but that they were going to be part of the lineage to the Messiah. And I'm sure that they didn't know that some 1,700 years later, the Messiah himself, Jesus Christ, would be born. But they did know that this offspring was going to be special. Wow. There is so much detail in this story. I love to preach for another few weeks and tell you all the little ins and outs in the history. Because when you get when you understand the story and look back, all of a sudden you think, any wonder they got excited. There is so much. It's full of significance. So why did I tell you all this? Well, here is God tending to the entire panorama of history, which is pictured in this short little book of Ruth tucked away seemingly in this remote corner of of his word. And yet he's also tended to the individuals, not just the line of Judah, to the individuals in the story. And just as they're part of the story, we are too. Because we're in the greater picture that's being painted here. The end game. The detail that God builds in is so important to show us who he is, what he did, and importantly, what He's still doing and that he sees us. That he's not lost the plot. But now, I said last week, the third redeemer. The third redeemer in the story. Boaz and Ruth have a son. Let's have a read of that. Verses 13 to 15. I think we've got it. So Boaz took Ruth. She became his wife. He went into her and the Lord gave her conception. She bore a son. Then the women said to Aunt Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. This is the one the women rejoice over with Naomi. This is the Redeemer. We read in these verses that there's so much rejoicing and lots of excitement. This is redemption now sealed. Ruth has had a child. She can't get kicked out. Boaz could divorce her now, but because she's got a child, she's in. If he divorced her beforehand, she would have been cast out again. Now, redemption is sealed. And so is Naomi now because of it as well. And that's why the women get excited. It's one thing that Naomi has a land back and that her daughter-in-law is in. 
effectively bringing her back in, but now there's new life, a child, a very fresh future, and a guarantee that the line will continue, that redemption will continue. The child means that it can't be reversed anymore now, that Ruth too is now no longer at risk and is fixed into the line of Judah. Her redemption is complete. Her life's been saved. Amazing. This child represents a whole new future and a direction for both Naomi and Ruth. And it begins to elicit a whole different response. In chapter 1, there's sadness, there's misery, there's bitterness, there's pain, there's, there's loss, there's all those sorts of, there's fear, there's all, that sorts, all those sorts of emotions. And just a few chapters later, because of the work of God bringing a child, there's joy, there's rejoicing, there's blessedness, there's a whole lot going on, a whole new response. There is now a unifier to the line of Judah. They had no idea how prophetic their words were and that this child was just a foretaste of the child that would truly be renowned and not just in Israel. And in verse 15, we see those prophetic words, don't we? He shall be a restorer of life. They had no idea of the greatest restorer of life that would come from this line. Now it's joy, it's celebration, it's belonging, and there's so much joy in redemption. Naomi rejoices, Ruth rejoices, the witness rejoice, the women rejoice, and they all worship, and they say they're blessed. Why? Because they've seen hope. They've seen God at work. They've seen situations change before their eyes. History shows us that the kingdom of Judah would go on to be torn apart and then unified, and then torn apart and then unified. But through this line of Judah, Jesus would come and finally unify his people. His kingdom would be a new one. A unified kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the only unified kingdom. The story of Ruth was a beacon of hope to the nation then. But for us today, when we, we read the story, when we hear about it, it's a powerful story of God's faithfulness to his people. Ruth's story climaxes with a, redemp a redemption child. That represents a whole new future for the players in the story of Ruth. They've gone from miserable past to a whole new future. And that's what caused them to be full of joy and to worship God. Our story of redemption is also in a child. A child that was born to bring complete and eternal redemption to us. One that would be truly renowned, like really renowned. Name one other baby that you know of that has set the calendar for the world. Name one. This child would be truly renowned. Name one other child that's remembered by billions through history and that's worshipped in every nation, every nation in the world. Now that's renown. That's the child that brought redemption to you and me. This child Jesus leads us to a new response too. He's a source of joy to us. He's a, he's a motivation for us to worship, just like they worshipped and said, Oh, blessed are you, Naomi. And they would have been joyful in worshipping. This child brings us to that same response. This child would grow to become our saviour. 
and take us from whatever our past is, whether it was a miserable past, whether we, we suffer with a sinful past, whether we've felt lost, whether we've been uncertain or hopeless or whatever our past is. This child brings us to redemption from our past and is still doing it today to a whole new future. And we can rest in that. No matter what the past is, a new future comes through this child. The rest which Ruth looked for, the rest that Naomi looked for, the rest which man has looked for since the fall is that same rest that would become available to man at the work of the child Jesus. The Lord finished his work and offered that rest to man, to us, to you and to me. And we too, just like Naomi and Ruth and the people of Judah, we rejoice. That's why we sing the carols and we, we get happy around Christmas time. We rejoice, we worship, we give thanks as we sit contentedly in the presence of our Redeemer, just as they did when they saw the child being born. We can sing joy to the world because we know that we are truly blessed. And just like Naomi's friends did, we can worship and say, Blessed be the Lord who has not left us without a Redeemer. The book of Ruth gives us cause for hope, just like it did to the players in the story. Not because men are good, but because God is setting the stage for the coming of His King, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And we learn from, from God's story in Ruth that Jesus, the child we celebrate, wasn't God's last-ditched, last-minute, desperate attempt to save us. You know, you can, get, you can sometimes get caught up in this thing and we can celebrate Jesus and say, this is the one who saved a hopeless world. And we think, wow, Jesus, God jumped in right at the right moment. God was doing it all along. Jesus wasn't God, the last-ditched attempt. It was a plan. Jesus, rather, was God's magnificent, meticulous plan woven through history to redeem his people. Pointed at, hinted at, as we read the stories for us to see. And that's why we celebrate a baby. Ruth's baby was a great signal of hope to God's people. And the baby Christ is that great sign for us as well. If we look at the child, we will celebrate this Christmas. If we look at him through the lens of history, we'll see God at work in our day, continuing his plan of redemption in our lives. That is the joy of redemption. Amazing that God has never rested God has never rested from right at the beginning of his word. He's always had us in his eyesight. He's always seen us. He's always been busy redeeming, receiving, drawing back into the fold his people, you and me. And on Tuesday, when you think of Jesus and whether you're opening presents or whether you're thinking of hams or whether you're thinking of who you're going to meet or whether you're thinking of of the holidays that are coming or the craziness of getting a meal on the table. Take a moment to think of the child. Take a moment to think of a God who would weave an incredible story through history so that a child would be born and redeem us 
out of hopelessness, out of our past, into a future that is full of promise. Think of that. And conjure up just a little bit of the joy that they might have felt when they realized, wow, this is it. Can you imagine Ruth's feeling like, there is no way I can ever, ever fall out anymore now. I've born a child. I'm in. Can you imagine the relief? When we look at Jesus, there is no way that anyone can ever take away our redemption because of the work of Jesus. This child would grow up and become a man who would suffer so that we could be redeemed. It would cost him, just as redemption cost Ruth and Boaz, it was going to cost Jesus. But for Jesus, the price was going to be high. It's going to be his life. His for ours. We do well to worship and rejoice at his birth. And I'm glad that we do. And it's good. But we must also remember why he was born and what he did for us. It's good for us to be reminded and to remember. And we're going to celebrate Lord's Supper. And we wanted to do it today because we wanted to remember that on Tuesday the baby was born. But that baby points to hope that that baby would grow to become our Redeemer. He would give his life. He would exchange his life for ours. And this serves to increase our joy, to increase our worship. We're going to do that now. In obedience to Jesus himself when he commanded his disciples to do this. He grew up and he was a child that was in a manger. And, and you know, we're going to talk about it on Tuesday with the, the shepherds and the wise men and everyone getting just as excited as, as Naomi's friends at what had happened. But 30-odd years down the road, he'd be sitting with his disciples and saying, this is why I came. This is what I'm about to do. And this is what it's going to mean. Remember and believe that what I'm about to do is going to bring a a redemption to you and to the human race. So as he was sitting with his disciples, you know, um, they'd been eating together. And the time had come the night before he was to die had come. And he was going to be betrayed that night. And when they'd finished eating, when he'd given thanks, he he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, guys, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Get together. Break bread to remember me, to remember what I did. And then he took the cup and he said, "Um, this cup, is a new covenant in my blood. I'm doing something new. My blood is going to be shed and I'm doing something new. Do this. Drink this together as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. You remember Jesus' death for you until he comes again. Is this Jesus your hope? Is when you hear these stories, when you, when you understand the, the, the mission of, of Jesus Christ, is he your hope? Is redemption yours? Do you see the redemption that we've been talking about? Do you see that's come into your life through the child, Jesus? Do you know this? If, if you know this, if you love the Lord, if you know that, that Jesus' death and resurrection was for you and for your sins, 
then we want to invite you to celebrate, to remember and believe with us. To remember and believe that just like Ruth, you were a foreigner. Your sin made you a non-citizen. But Jesus gave his life to make you a citizen. You're now in. You're not a foreigner any longer. That you are redeemed. That's what we celebrate here today. So I'm going to get our our leaders to come on forward. I'm going to invite you um, to come. We'll have two on either side. I invite you to come and take the elements and sit down and we're going to celebrate it together once we're all seated again. And just um, as we share this together, I just want you to, to think back at that, that magnificent work of God that today and, and every month when we celebrate this today, that when we celebrate this, that we're actually we're joining in the beautiful picture that God has been weaving throughout the ages and we're part of it, that this is redemption. The bread which we break is the sharing in the body of Christ. Take it, eat it, remember and believe that the body of Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all of our sins. And the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks is the sharing in the blood of Christ. Take it, drink it, remember and believe that the blood of Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of our sins. God, we, um, we want to thank you. We want to thank you um, for your attention to detail. We want to thank you for your relentless pursuit of us. We want to thank you for um, paying the price so that we could be in, that we could be part of this great redemption story, that we could be brought into the kingdom of heaven, the new kingdom, that we could be brought into new life, that we could know hope. We want to thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus. We want to thank you, Jesus, for walking this earth, for talking to us about understanding who you are and your mission, and then for undertaking that mission. Lord, we want to thank you that in two days' time, we get to sing joy to the world. We, we get to gather as faithful. We, we get to be amazed as we remember that a child was born. Another child, the child who would be remembered throughout history and that we belong to. And we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that even now, as we come to you, that you're faithful and just and that you forgive us for the things that are not right in our lives. So wherever we come from, whatever it might be, that it's never too late that we can come to you and that we know that you will take us in, that redemption is ours. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name.
if you, we're going to finish with um, Joy to the World, and, and that's about as appropriate as we can get after a message like this. But if you want to talk to somebody, if you want to pray with somebody afterwards, if you don't know that redemption, if you don't know about it, if you don't feel it, if you don't know this Jesus, if you don't know why we're excited about a child in two days' time, then I invite you to come and talk to us, and we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk to you about it. We'd love to share the hope that we have with anybody. And if you'd like to pray with somebody or even pray with us for somebody, then we would love to pray with you um, after the service. Let me just read these words and I'm going to let the, our worship team close the service. It's just these words in the back of, of Ruth, you know, and um, the words of, of, of Naomi's mates, her friends. I want to read them as if they're to us. Blessed be the Lord who has not left us this day without a Redeemer. And His name is renowned in Israel and throughout our whole world. And He is and will be to us a restorer of life. That is good news. Amen? Amen.